Well, I'm really blessed to be here with you this morning. As, as Tony said before, we kick off this new series called Follow, looking at really what it means to not only be a disciple, but to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. And between now and Thanksgiving, we're going to be taking a look at that together. We're going to be learning everything we can from Jesus and how he led his disciples and what that means for us. Now, before we dive into that a little bit deeper this morning and kind of set up these next eight weeks, um, I... I wanted to ask you a question. I want you to think about this for a minute. Uh, Our mission statement as a church is to help people look, live, and love more like Jesus. Or in other words, maybe the short version is just to say, we want to be more like Jesus. So here's a question I have for you. Why? Why do you want to be more like Jesus? Think about that for a minute. So to get ready for the sermon this week, I put that question on my Facebook page. I said, just I'm doing some sermon research. Why do you want to be like Jesus? And a whole bunch of people uh, gave me some comments. And now, by the way, if I don't use yours this morning, you know, don't hate me. You know, I can only choose a certain number of them, right? But, uh, but, but take a look at this. This is what people had to say about why they wanted to be more like Jesus. One person wrote, he is love in the flesh. I want to be love in the flesh. Another person said this, I want to know the Father and love people like Jesus did. Here's another one. They said Jesus was the perfect example. He's a great teacher and shows us how to live and love like he did. Are you starting to see a theme here, by the way? Almost all the comments had something to do with love. Look at this one. He shows us the kind of love and grace that's hard for us to understand sometimes. I want that kind of light to show through what I do each and every day. This person says, so that others can get to know him through me. When we're more like Jesus, people get to see Jesus in us. And I love this one. They said, to love the way he loves. Love God, love your neighbor. What's more important than that? Again, you see that theme of love that kind of wound its way through all of those things. And when you think about it, that makes sense. As we read the stories about Jesus in the New Testament, when we get to know him uh, through the pages of the Gospels, we see someone who is at his heart, at his center, this, just this incredible, radical person of love. But, uh, but there was one of these that ended up being my favorite one, and I saved it for last. And, and I'll tell you why it's my favorite in, in a minute. It takes just a little bit different uh, tack than the ones we saw so far. This person wrote, because being who I am doesn't work. Can you relate to that? I know I can. You know, when I look back at my life and when I look at, back at the difficult times or the times when I struggled with things, more often than not, I was my own worst enemy. And, and so that idea of being like Jesus means that, you know, for the stuff that doesn't work in my life, it, for when life doesn't make sense from my perspective, if I could be more like Jesus, I know life is going to work. I know life is going to make sense. Why do you want to be like Jesus? Now, what we're calling this series Follow, and it comes from these words that Jesus said to his disciples when he said, follow me. And now to really understand the significance of those words, you have to understand a little bit of the historical context. Because you see, these were very important words in the lives of people in Jesus' day. See, they didn't have public schools and high schools and you know, junior highs and all that kind of stuff. Instead, when they were young, from the age 5 to 10, they went to this school that, that was called Beit Safar. And it basically is you would get together with a local rabbi, and the local rabbi would teach the kids from 5 to 10 years old about the Bible, about God, about the Torah, they called God's word. 
And, uh, and, and they would meet with that rabbi every day to study their lessons and to memorize parts of Scripture. And, uh, and by the time that they were 10 years old, they knew a lot about God's Word. And for most of them, at that point, the rabbi would look at them and he would say, good job, you're done, you've graduated, you don't have to come back anymore. Now you just stay you know, with your mom and dad every day and learn the family business, learn to do what your parents do, learn to be a productive member of society uh, from your parents. But, but the rabbi wouldn't say that to all the kids. Some of the young boys at 10 years old, he would look at them and he would say, you know, you really show some promise in this. You're good at this. I think someday you have a, that you might be able to be a rabbi yourself. And so he would invite them to say for a second level of education that went from 10 to 14 years old, that was called Beit Talmud, and they would, again, study more about uh, God's Word, and they would memorize more and more of it, and they would have a chance to really learn more about God's will and God's plan for our lives. Now, most of them, at the end of those 14 years, the rabbi would look at them and go, uh, you know that thing I said about you being a rabbi someday? Never mind you're good, but you're just not quite that good. Go ahead. Go, be, you know, go learn the trade from your dad. Find out what your dad does and, uh, and go do that. But, but to a few of them, sometimes, to the best of the best students, that rabbi would look at them and he would say, I think, I still think you could be a rabbi. Now remember, the rabbis were kind of the rock stars of their day. They were like the professional athletes. They were the, 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 the like important members of the society. And the thought to a young 14-year-old boy that he could maybe be a rabbi, that was like saying maybe someday, kid, you could play Major League Baseball or, or, uh, or you, could, you could be you know, in movies or uh, things like that. And so, so they'd be really excited. And so they would go find a rabbi, and they would sit down with that rabbi, and they would kind of interview for the job. And, and the rabbi would, would talk to them, he would, learn, he would, he would ask them questions, he would, he would try to find out whether he really thought that they knew what they needed to know. But even more than that, what the rabbi was trying to decide is not, can you know everything I know? The rabbi was trying to decide, can you do what I do? Can you be like me? Because, see, that's really what being a disciple was all about. It wasn't just more knowledge. It was a way to change your life so that you would live the way your rabbi lived. You would go the places your rabbi went. You would teach the way your rabbi taught. Basically, you wanted to become like your rabbi. And, uh, and so to the best of the best, the rabbis, the ones that the rabbi really thought could cut it, the rabbi would look at you and would say to you, follow me. Those were words that every little boy wanted to hear. They, they dreamed of hearing those words from a rabbi. Again, to use a baseball analogy, it'd be like the kid in the minor leagues that get called into the ma manager's office and says, you're going to the show, you're going to the big leagues. Follow me. So th this idea that, that what a disciple wanted to do was be like his rabbi was kind of encapsulated in a saying that they had in the day. It was kind of a blessing. They would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the idea there is that you would be following your rabbi so well and so closely that as they walked down the road, they'd kick up dust from their sandals and it would get all over you. 
See, being a disciple was all about being like your rabbi. So imagine what it was like for the 12 disciples, Jesus' disciples, who, by the way, many, many years before, some rabbi had said, never mind, you're not that good. Go, go be a fisherman. Go do what your dad did, you know? And they're in their 20s now, and all of a sudden, this hot new rabbi on the scene, this guy that everybody wants to know about, everybody wants to follow, this Jesus guy walks up to them, looks at them, and says those words that they really had prayed about hearing when they were a little kid. Jesus looks at them and he says to them, follow me. In other words, he was saying to them, not only do I think you can know what I know, but I think you can do what I do. I think you can be like me. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, follow me to those disciples. And you know what? He says, follow me to you and I today as well. Again, we read the pages of Scripture. We, we see this guy, Jesus. We see how he was loving and caring. We see about all that he did. And then that same Jesus looks at you and me, and he says to us, follow me. In other words, he believes that we can be like him. He believes that we can do what he does. He believes that we can live the kind of life he lived. Folks, that's what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is about being more like Jesus. I love how Paul put it in his letter to the Ephesians. He said, we must become a mature person, growing until we become like Christ. That's our goal. Our goal is to be more like Jesus. And, and here's why. See, if you're more like Jesus, there's a few things that you are going to be in your life. I was thinking about them this week, and, and let me share four of them with you. First of all, you're going to be more loving. If you're like Jesus, you will be able to love better than you love right now. If you're going to be like Jesus, you'll be able to be more compassionate than you could ever be right now. If you're gonna be like Jesus, you will be more grounded, more centered. You will know why you're here and what your life is all about. And finally, you will be a better you the more you are like Jesus. Let's take a look at each one of those just kind of briefly for a minute. This idea of being more loving. In 1 John it says this, this is what real love is. It's not our love for God, it is God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place to take away our sins. The most loving thing anyone ever did in the history of the world is what Jesus did when he gave up his life on the cross. When, when he willingly laid down his life for us, it showed that he loves us more than we can possibly imagine. Jesus said it this way. He says, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And then he looked at his disciples and he said, you, you're my friends. Jesus was already telling them what he was going to do. He was telling them that the day was going to come when he would willingly go to the cross for them. That's what Jesus has done for you. Some of you have heard me tell this story before when I was in second grade, and I had done something wrong. I don't remember what it was, and I was in trouble, and I had to stay in for recess, and my teacher was kind of chewing me out a little bit, making sure I knew what I had done wrong and knew that I couldn't do it again, but then she looked at me, and she said these words, and I will never, ever forget them. Think, think about this. I was like, what, seven years old at the time. That was, that was a long time ago, but those words are burned in my mind, and I could still picture her saying them to me. She looked at me, and she said, you know, though, that if you were the only little boy that did something wrong, Jesus still would have come, and he still would have died just for you. It's true. 
And so if I'm going to be like Jesus, that's the kind of love that he gives me, and that's the kind of love that he lets live in me for others. This idea that, that I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to show love to others. I'll, I'll go wherever I need to go, however I need to do it, so that others will know that they are loved just as I know I am loved by my God. When we're more like Jesus, we're not only more loving, we, we, we become more compassionate. Now, um, now th- this, this story, you need to know a little background to understand this. It, it says, when he went ashore, it's talking about Jesus, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Well, why was he out in the boat? Well, this is one of the hardest days of Jesus' life. He's just found out earlier that day that his friend and his, his, his relative, who he's known since he was a little kid, John the Baptist, he, he's found out that he's dead. He's been killed. He's been beheaded. And, uh, and he and his disciples have been preaching and teaching and, and, and traveling, and they're exhausted. And so we're told that Jesus just needs a little break. And so he gets into a boat, and it says he got into the boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowds. But when he gets to the other side, guess what? More crowds. And he looks at them, and Jesus would have had every right to say, guys, I need a little break. Just, just give me a few hours. But look at what it says. It says, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And now the word here is a really cool word in the original language. It's the word splunkna. Is that a cool word or what? Say that with me, splunkna. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a crazy word. But you know what splunkna means? It means guts. Literally what it's talking about is that queasy feeling you can get in your guts when you're really moved. Or, uh, or a friend of mine sent me a picture this week. He was at the Grand Canyon, and he was standing on the edge kind of like that. And just looking at the picture, I got that queasy feeling in my gut. That's, that's the, the idea here. The idea here is that when Jesus saw the crowds and he saw how much they needed him, he was moved deeply in his gut, and he knew he had to do something to help. I don't know about you, but it's so hard to be compassionate in the world today. You just become callous, don't you? There are just so many needs from so many people around you so much of the time, and, and, and we have our own needs and our own busy pace of life, and it could become so easy to just kind of put blinders on and miss the needs of other people around us. I mean, heck, I could drive by, you know, a homeless person panhandling by the side of the road and not think twice about it. It becomes so easy to, to develop this kind of hard, callous shell, and yet Jesus didn't. Wherever he went, he showed not only love, but compassion for people. He cared deeply about people. And if I'm going to be more like Jesus, that means he's going to teach me to be more compassionate and caring for others too. Here's the third thing. If we're going to be more like Jesus, it means we're going to be more centered, more grounded. When you look at Jesus, no matter what was going on around him, no matter how crazy the circumstances, he knew who he was, he knew why he was there, he knew what he was all about, nothing shook him up. Now, I don't know about you, but the world shakes me up pretty good these days. How many people are in love with American politics lately? You don't know who to believe, do you? You just don't know what to think. And, uh, and, and every time you turn around, there's another tragedy taking place in the world, an earthquake or a hurricane, and it, it just seems like uh, the economy is supposed to be great, and yet, you know, people that, it, it seems like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and there's people that are struggling. It, it's, it just seems like the world is falling apart around us, 
And I want to be like Jesus. I want to be centered. I want to be grounded. I want to know who I am. I want to know why I'm here. I don't want anything to shake me. I mean, think about this. Even the night before Jesus was, he knew he was going to be betrayed and arrested and beaten and crucified. That night he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's scared. And he's praying to his heavenly father. And do you remember what he said? He said, Father, if there's some way for me to not have to do this, please, let's find that way. But then he stops and he goes, but not my will, but yours be done. Even in that circumstance, Jesus knew who he was. He knew why he was there. That's the kind of person I want to be. The world can be falling apart around me, and I'm okay. Because I know who God is. I know he loves me. I know why he put me here, and I know what he wants me to do. And finally, and this one's a little ironic, isn't it? That the more we get like Jesus, the more like our true selves we become. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. In other words, Jesus says, if you try to, if, if you try to just be you, you're going to fail. But he says, the more you try to be like me, the more the real you is going to come out. In other words, what Jesus is saying is he created us to be these amazing people and so often we get in our own way and and we fail to become the people he created us to be. But the more we're like Jesus, the more we get to be the person that he intended us to be. Folks, that's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be more loving, more compassionate, more centered, more me. Being a disciple means being more like Jesus, but there's one more thing. Jesus says if we're really going to be his disciples, we have to be disciples who make more disciples. See, it isn't just about me. It isn't just about me being more like Jesus. It's about Jesus taking me and turning me into a disciple who will then be used by God to help others be more like him as well. He said that to, to those disciples that he gathered right before he was about to ascend into heaven. And, uh, and, and he looked at them and he said, here's what I want you to do now. You've spent three years with me learning to be like me. I, I've loved you. I, I've shown you how to be compassionate. I've showed you how to be centered. I've showed you how to, to be all that God created you to be. And he said, and now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples just like I've done with you. And, and I love how he said it. Literally, he said, as you go. In other words, what Jesus is saying to you and me is we don't have to give up our, we don't have to go quit your job. You don't have to leave your family. You don't have to sell your house. It's just simply as you live the life that he has given you, as, as you go to that job that is a gift from God in your life, as you live in that neighborhood where he has placed you, as, as you love the, the people, the relationships that he's put in your life, as you do those things, That's where you do his work to make disciples. It's what he's called us to do. And now, like I said, over the next eight weeks, we're going to figure out how to do that together. And we're going to figure out how to do that by looking at what Jesus did with his disciples and saying, okay, Jesus, I want to be more like you, which means I want to make disciples like you do. And and so we're going to learn to make disciples the way Jesus did over these next weeks. And again, just to encourage you, uh, not only be here for worship like Tony said, but, but be in a small group. By the way, the stuff we're studying in our small groups during this series is going to be different than what we're talking about on the weekend. So, uh, so it's not just kind of more of the same. If you're not in a group, you're going to miss something. 
So just encourage you to get connected in a group. Now, normally, I end a sermon by praying, and we are going to pray together, uh, but, but today, I want to sing our prayer, okay? Now, now this is a song that uh, I was taught uh, years and years ago when I used to be a school teacher. It's just a simple little kid song that I would use when I was teaching vacation Bible school or uh, uh, when I was working uh, with, with uh, young kids in the classroom. And uh, I can't tell you how many times this verse from this song comes back to my head just as I live my life every day. And so I want to share it with you today, and and we're going to sing this as our prayer. Let me sing it for you once first. It goes like this. Jesus, Jesus, make me like you. Make me to walk and to talk like you do. Make my ears listen and make my heart new. Jesus, make me be more like you. Try singing that with me, okay? Jesus, Jesus, make me like you. Make me to walk and to talk like you do. Make my ears listen and make my heart new. Jesus, make me be more like you. All right, one more time is our prayer today. Jesus, Jesus, make me like you. Make me to walk and to talk like you do. Make my ears listen and make my heart new. Jesus, make me be more like you. Amen.